from heaven's height to manger low, there is no distance the Prince of Peace won't go. From manger low to Calvary's hill, when your pain runs deep, his love runs deeper still. Lift up your heads, lift up your heart. Emmanuel knows just where you are. Isn't that a wonderful reason that you're the very reason why he came? Somewhere in your silent night. This entire year, almost the entire year at least, has been like a long, long night, hasn't it? It's become such... Uh, so so much of darkness in it. The news that we receive is nothing but darkness. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. The Word was God. And this Word came into the world as light, but the light could not put it out, could not stop it from coming in. And at a time like this, I pray that Jesus, the star of heaven, the very center of all that exists, all things were made by him. And without him, there was not anything made that was made. I pray that this, he will come in as the, as the bright light into your silent night. And you need to have hope. You need to have your hearts lifted up in praise to him. Amen. And we thank him that he came, Emmanuel, God with us. That's why we celebrate Christmas and we worship him because of that. And with that in mind, I'd like to talk about uh, our worship towards God during this season because it is very easy to forget the Christ of Christmas. And so I want to welcome you to take a journey with me, with uh, some of the guys in the Bible as they traveled all the way from their homeland to come and worship Jesus. And I'm sure you know whom I'm talking about, right? I'm talking about the, the wise men. We say that there were three wise men. Actually, there were many more. Uh, and uh, they were not just wise men. They were powerful people in their country. But let me, I'm going ahead of the story. So let's get back into uh, where this portion of Scripture is taken from. It's taken from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2. But I'm going to read to you just a couple of verses so we understand the whole, uh, uh, what really happens when they find the Christ. I'm going to take it out from there. When they find Him, what really happens? And when they saw the star, they were so ecstatic that they shouted and celebrated with unrestrained joy. Ah, that's what Christmas is all about. When they saw the star, they were so ecstatic. And they, shouted, and they shouted and celebrated with unrestrained joy. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. When they came into the house, they saw the young child. With Mary, his mother, they were overcome falling to the ground at his feet. I love this translation. Falling to the ground at his feet, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure boxes full of gifts and presented him with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The story of these wise men, and they say wise men still worship him. You've heard that before. Wise men still worship him. And that's what... 
our entire faith is. It is the worship of Him, God Almighty, creator of the entire universe, who has decided to come and be with us. And I'll be sharing a little bit more of, of that on Christmas morning itself, talking about the very first Christmas that we are, that we will, uh, that, that happened, the very first Christmas that happened. So we want to talk about worship and may their, their worship help us. May the way they worship help us in our expression, in, in the way we should worship God. So, first of all, I'd like to say that their worship was intentional. It was intentional. We look at Matthew chapter 2 and verse 2, and it says this, Where is the child who is born king of the Jews? We observed his star rising in the sky. We observed his star. Now, they were astrologers, astronomers, and they studied the planets. But suddenly, this particular star began to shine brighter than any other star. And they realized that this was the star that God was using to point the way to him coming to this world. God himself. That's why their idea was worship. So here, here it is. We have come to bow down before him in worship. Their intention was not just to come and, and, and give themselves over as subjects of this king. Their intention was not to come and see a king, a baby king. Uh, there were many other little, you know, child kings in other places. But this one, they said, man, th this is God in the flesh. This is God, child. This is a God, child. That's why we come to worship. We have come to worship. Now, Many believe that there were just three and they give them names for all the three, one from Persia, one from India, one from, you know, Arabia, wherever it may be. But most people now, uh, scholars begin to study, they believe that there were at least 12 of them. And most of them came from China. That's why it took a two-year journey to come and meet them. You could go research this on your own, but I mean, there's no specific uh, proof as to who they were, where they came from, except for the kind of gifts that they brought. And China is very rich in this period of time with frankincense. Uh, India as well had merged. So we do not know it was possibly from those areas that they came. That's why it took them roughly two years. How do we know it's two years? Because when, the, when they brought the news, King Herod said, we've got to kill all the babies from two years old and be Law, okay, so that's that's how we kind of know. Now, now the, these men came to Jerusalem all the way with the sole purpose of worshiping him. Worship was why they left their uh, their positions. They had to leave their their high positions in in the countries that they were in. They were the kings. Basically, they were the king's right hand men. They were the ones that Nebuchadnezzar called for when he had trouble. He called for the wise men. Right in those days, they would call for the wise men, and these were the wise men. These were the uh, the ones who who were able to discern the planets and and study the sciences of medicine. These guys were top guys. And from there, you get the word uh, magician, right? Where you get the word magi. So, magus. And, and these guys came all the way. It was, their whole intention was to worship. It was not, you know, they, they, it was worship that drove them to leave their homeland, to leave their positions, to leave their families, to, to risk everything in order to come and worship. Worship drove them. What drives us today? Uh, worship caused them to leave, uh, travel the distance of two years. 
Sometimes you hear people say, you know, Pastor, uh, uh, you know, we are now staying in, in a different city, you know, a different town and uh, a little bit far from church. So we're not we're not coming to church, you know. And uh, of course, you know, I can understand that. Someone once said, it is not how far you stay from church. It is how close you stay to God, to God's family. And I, and I appreciate those of you who come from, from quite a distance. You know, I appreciate like Brother Moses and his family that come all the way from Kajang, Brother Lingam and wife that come all the way from the other side of Klang and, uh, you know, across the other side of Klang. And, and those of you who stay on the other side of Shalom and Puchong and all these places, I just want to say thank you so much. See, it is how close you are to the brothers and the sisters and the presence of God that you sense in a place that you want to belong to that place. Amen. But the whole intention was that we might come and worship before God. See, worship does not just happen. Don't, don't just come in and wait for worship to happen. Uh, you've got to make it kind of happen, all right? It, 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 we, we come in and we say, I want to worship you, God. I want to have the sense of your presence so that I can bow before you because you are so wonderful. You've done so many wonderful things. And I just want to come and worship you, God. Huh? I want to just come and worship you. I remember when I first got saved, it was just about a month after I got saved, I came over to, from Penang, I came over to Klang, and I used to attend uh, the church, Glad Tidings in Klang. And the church was in Inga, a little bungalow house, and I was staying in my brother's house in Berkeley, and I would walk all the way, you know. But before I even left the house, I would have a time of prayer uh, because I was going to go to church. I would get ready so early, and the presence of God would be so real to me, and, and I would search my heart and say, God, if there's anything that's wrong that would hinder you from really ministering to me, God, please take it away. Uh, you know, uh, and I would go preparing my heart to worship Him. At the moment I entered, we used to sing good old hymns and uh, just an organ there. We didn't have the drums and the guitars and all of that, just, just the organ and, 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 uh, and we would sing. And the moment the singing started, my heart would be lifted up in worship. Tears would stream down. The presence of God would be so upon me. Guys at the side of me, you know, one of the elders of the church would have to, you know, kind of calm me down because I was just, you know, weeping and worshiping. And they'd be wondering, what's happening? We're singing fast songs and clapping hands, but this guy's crying. It was my worship. And I enjoy worship. From that time onwards, I said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I love God's house. I love God. God's people. I love it because when we come, we come to worship and to magnify His name. Amen. All right. Now, secondly, I also want to say that their worship was not just uh, intentional. Their worship was also volitional, which simply means that they were not forced to leave their countries. Uh, they were not told by other people, you must go. If you do not go, something is going to happen to you. They were not uh, forced to come in and offer their gifts to him. They came bringing boxes of gifts. The idea that each one brought gold and the other one bought frankincense, the other one bought myrrh. So we say that there were three. That's wrong. When they came to worship the king, they, they came with a whole entourage, which means that the whole city, it says the whole city of Jerusalem was very taken up. They were all afraid because of all this, this people coming into the land. I mean, even the Roman army stood aside and allowed them to come in 
because they came with all the fanfare uh, of, of bringing, of, of coming before the king. And, and, and you, you can just imagine the whole scene as they came. All of Jerusalem was troubled and they were given straight access into the presence of King Herod. So uh, it, it was their will. They just will to come, will to come. I, I will go and I will worship God. I will seek after him. I have seen his star. Now I decide now. After having heard the message of God, what shall I do? One of the things about the, the shepherd boys was they heard the choir of angels singing. They got the good news. But you know what they did? They exercised their will. They said, let us now go and see whether this thing is true. Now, let's go find this child in Bethlehem. And the exercising of our will is so important. They were not forced to give gifts to the Lord. And I pray that none of you think that we are, you know, manipulating, using scriptures to manipulate you to give because this has become a terrible thing in the house of God. When we come into the presence of God, we bring an offering to him that cost us something. David said, I will not offer to the Lord anything that does not cost me. I want to give. Church, listen to me very carefully, please. Don't get fooled or sucked into this whole uh, prosperity thing where it says, give and you shall receive. Yes, that is true. But don't think of the receiving end. Think of the giving end. I'd rather think I give because I have received, not because I want to receive. Come on. Amen. Jesus said, freely you have received. They tell us if we've got a bed to sleep in and food on our table and a roof over our head, we are richer than how many percent of the world? That does not motivate me to give. What motivates me to give is that God gave us his very best. And so when I give to him, it is nothing. It is nothing. He bought me, man. He bought me, not with precious stones, but with his precious blood. I am owned by him. Everything that I have is his. We say he gave us the power to make wealth, right? So I will give to the Lord. I will bless the Lord. I will uh, uh, share. I, I will come to worship him. I want to do it. It is a volitional thing. Worship is volitional. Think about how uh, they, they came and they did it out of their own wills, free wills. They said, you know, we have come. We have come because we want to worship. We have come to bow down. I want to bow down before him. I want to worship at his feet. Think about this for a while. This is not a king sitting upon his throne. This is not the king of kings in all his glory that they are coming to worship. They have said in their hearts, we have seen his star and we have come to find the child who is born. We are coming to look for a baby. We are coming to look for this child and we want to worship him. We've come with that intention. I want to worship him. I will worship you, Lord, at all times. We should not just sing because the congregation is singing. I sing because I want to sing. I, I want words to come out of my mouth. The Bible says in Hebrews that we should offer the sacrifices of our lips when it comes to praising him. All right? We don't offer any sacrifices except the sacrifices of our lips, which means that the mouth must proclaim his goodness. I must sing. As I said before, I thank God for the songs that we sing. 
And the worship leaders then help us to sing. Now, just because you're not in the congregation, you're in your home, sing along, man. If you want the presence of God to dwell richly in the praises of His people, then come and sing to Him when they begin to sing. We should not bow in prayer because the preacher says, let us pray. It is because I want to pray. Because pastor has been teaching on prayer, so I've got to pray. No, 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 no. I will pray. I know it is powerful. I have experienced it myself, is what you've ought to say to yourself. We should not open our Bibles because it's Bible study time, but we should open it whenever we want. We, we should do it as often as we should, as we could, and, and open and study the Word for ourselves. So their worship was intentional. Their worship was volitional. Their worship was also personal. They did not allow, you know, as great people as they were, they did not say, well, let's send a whole entourage that send all these people, you know, different ones to go and worship, find out who he is. Let's build, you know, a relationship with this king who is born, this God king. Uh, they, they didn't do that. They came personally to worship him. These men, this involved uh, self, themselves. I myself will go. I myself will come and worship the Lord. They didn't do it by proxy. Uh, look at what they did. They came. They came from a great distance. Verse 2, they came by faith, looking, believing that they will find him. They rejoiced when they found him. They humbled themselves before him, and they willingly lavished all their gifts before him. It was a personal worship before God. Sometimes people would say, you know, I wish our church was a worshiping church. Well, a worshiping church begins with worshiping individuals. It starts when I say, I will praise the Lord. No wonder we have, we, we, we celebrate David and the Psalms that he wrote constantly. It is, I will bless the Lord at all times. I will do it. Whether the others are doing it or not makes no difference. Whether I sing well or I don't sing well makes no difference. I will bless the Lord. Their worship was personal. Think about this. They left their families to come personally before uh, the presence of the Lord. They left their positions. They left their privileges. They left it all. Going through much the deserts and, and, and wilderness experiences just so that I could come and I will worship him myself. I want to see him myself. If you read the Song of Solomon, the, the bride is saying, you know, let me, let, tell me where does he feed? But why should I go and ask his servants or where, where, he feeds and uh, I, where you know to to gain knowledge from them let me let me go and feed where he feeds let me drink where he drinks that's where i want to be i want to drink from the same place he drinks i, I want to be where he's at what a wonderful thing it is when we personally meet the lord think about the lady of samaria she's there at the well and she personally meets Jesus. See, he wants a personal relationship with you. Thank God for church experiences. But you know, during this whole season, I think what God has been saying is, I want to meet with you personally. Can we meet with you personally? If we wasted those few months, it's not too late to start again, right? It's not too late to start and say, Lord, I want to be personally involved with you. Their worship was personal. Number four, their worship was emotional. Their worship was emotional. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they were so ecstatic that they shouted 
and celebrated with unrestrained joy when these men arrived and they found this Christ. Can you imagine? It says they were overcome with emotion. The phrase rejoice with exceeding great joy uh, has the idea of exuberant excitement. They have found him. Two years of traveling and finally they found him. Imagine the hugging and the shouting and the tears flowing down their faces. Their two-year journey had come to an end. They had found him traveling through the desert and through the wilderness, through the emptiness of, of life itself and finally finding the Christ. Shouldn't our excitement Shouldn't there be, I mean, this kind of an excitement in our own hearts. I have found him. I rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. The apostle said, though we don't see him, yet we do rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. A worship of Christ must be filled with joy, must be filled with an expression of that joy and of that love. How could you love without any expression of love. God wants our whole celebration to rise within us. You know, when he talks about the kingdom of God, he said the kingdom of God is like a great feast that the king set for his son. That's the kingdom of God. It's meant to be a feast, not a fast. Although we do fast, yet it is meant to be a feast feast, a celebration that God has come into our world, that he would begin to take upon himself the form of a man. God, the creator of the entire universe, has come, Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. No wonder Jesus, wherever he went, he, he caused that to, uh, to uh, cause people to come out of darkness into light, and they began to rejoice in the presence of of the king. You know, and as I said earlier, they did not, when they came, they worshiped. We come to bow down at his feet. Now, these were the feet of a tiny child. They bowed down before the feet of a tiny child. This was not the feet of, of the king of glory sitting upon his throne kind of thing. This was not the nail-pierced feet. This was not the feet that walked on water. This was the feet of a child. And yet they said, we have come to bow down at his feet and worship him. How much more we who know him to be the triumphant one. We see the nail-pierced feet. We bow before his nail-pierced feet. We, we, we should uh, be, be so filled with such honor that we are able, we are, uh, you know, we are given the privilege of coming in and worshiping him. Our heart should be so touched. That's why I say, you know, when we think about songs, if songs like uh, uh, the songs that we sing does not excite our hearts, I don't know what will. It should excite us when we sing about Jesus. What a wonderful name. Jesus, what a beautiful name. When we sing that, our hearts should just rise up. I shared with you so many times before, I will never forget as a little child sitting at my grandma's knee. And she would be either, you know, knitting or, or she'd be doing something. And, and over the small little box that was on our wall, Redefission, and RAAF used to have all their music coming in on that channel. And we would be listening to them, a lot of nice stories, a lot of nice songs. And then occasionally they would begin to play Amazing Grace. And the moment the song came, no matter what grandma was doing, she would be very silent. But tears would begin to stream down her face, her cheeks. And I would say, Grandma, why, what, Mama, why, why are you crying? 
And she would say, one day, David, you will know. One day, you will know. I, I get emotional when I think about that. I get really emotional when I think about how God would save me. We who have experienced Him. I'm sure you have experienced Him in a powerful way. Now, there is nothing wrong in being emotional. There's nothing wrong in allowing the Spirit of God. In fact, it is a wonderful thing. Sometimes we are like that alabaster box that refuses to be broken. And God has to break it. The woman had to break it before the ointment began to come out and bless the Lord. Our emotions are like the, the, the perfume in this hardened alabaster jar. And it must be broken if we are to worship Him. He is the King of glory. A more and a greater emotional power ought to flow out of our lives as we begin to worship and glorify Him. The Bible talks about clapping our hands before the Lord, shouting unto the Lord, lifting up our hands to Him, being unashamed in His presence. David danced before the Lord with all his might. Not just danced before the Lord, but with all his might. I like to use David as the example because he's a perfect example of worship. You know, it began with him personally saying, I will worship the Lord. But then he transferred it into his kingdom. We got a whole choir of almost a thousand people to sing. They worked on ships so that there would be 24-hour worship to the Lord. That's how important worship was to David. No wonder his kingdom, there shall be no end to it. And to you, if we continue to worship God, I'm telling you, the blessings of God, there is no end towards the blessing that God showers upon those who worship the Lord. Remember, everything that we do streams out of worship. It says, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, then follows service or whatever we do in this world. Worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve is the command of God. Last but not least, let me just say that their worship was effectual. It was very, very effective when they came into Jerusalem with the intention of worshiping Jesus, of worshiping the King. All of Jerusalem was troubled. Herod the King himself became so troubled on the inside. It affected people, whether negatively or positively. It affects people. The scribes and the Pharisees, for one, they had to go get their scriptures and begin to look up for the scriptures. The moment these guys said, we have come to worship the king, they said, where, where, where is this? Find out from the scriptures. They had to go quickly search the scriptures to find out whether this be so. Many were affected by their worship. Many were affected by their worship. And so what happens is it will touch other people. When we begin to worship God, it will touch other people, sometimes negatively, sometimes positively. I've always shared the story of, of this woman who came with the alabaster jar. And when she walked into the building, all the other guys, man, she came to worship him. She didn't come to, to listen to his sermon. She didn't come to get a blessing from him. She didn't come to be healed of her sickness. She just came in very quietly to worship him. And the response was, if Jesus, if you were a holy man, you wouldn't allow this lady to even come in, let alone worship you. But you know, Jesus says, wherever this gospel is preached, I want you to talk about her. And that's what I'm doing this morning in the context of worship. She comes before him, breaks open the alabaster jar, pours it on his feet, 
And then with her hair, she wipes it dry. She wipes it dry. And like you just use my imagination, and, and here is what happens after the event, which is not recorded, but I like to just use my imagination. As they begin to leave the building of Simon, this is not Simon Peter, but this is Simon the Pharisee that Jesus was in. And as they leave and they walk outside of the home, the people smell the perfume that is coming out of, of Jesus himself. And they begin to sniff and they say, wow, what, what, what's that perfume? And, and people begin to talk and they say, well, that's, that's the perfume that's on Jesus. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. Watch him. That's Jesus. See how that perfume comes out of him. And she, he goes off into the street. He disappears out of sight. Later, the woman comes out very quietly and she begins to walk out in the street again. And the people say, I, I, I think he's coming back because... We can smell him again. We can, we, we can smell. I think he's coming back again. But he's not coming back again. And yet the same aroma that Jesus had is filling the very atmosphere. Because it's all over the hair of this woman who now walks the streets and carries the aroma that Jesus had. Worship affects other people as well. So as the Wise men worship the Lord, whether there be three or whether there be 12, whether it's a small family of three of you sitting there and listening to this message, or whether it's a bigger group like my family where we are so big, <laughs> definitely more than 12, and we are worshiping God together. I want us to understand that we can really affect other people. I pray that God would Use this message to encourage you to bless him, to worship him at this season. Don't forget the Christ of Christmas. Don't forget that when he came, the very first thing that these guys decided when, he, when the star appeared two years ago, the sign that he was about to come, they decided immediately to lift themselves up, pack their bags, and travel the distance to find him. And I pray that you will also find him in this season in a very special way so that you can enjoy his presence and worship the King of Kings. Hallelujah. May God use this message to bless your hearts and create in you a heart of worship. Let me just pray for you. How we love you, precious, precious Jesus. It just is incomprehensible that God Almighty, that you would leave your position, your privileges. You would leave everything that you have, your princely estate in glory, and come and cradle yourself in a little manger. We cannot understand that. All we can say is, Jesus Emmanuel, God with us, we worship you. We have found you. We bow at your feet. Now no longer a baby, but King of kings and Lord of lords. We bow and we worship you in this season. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will fill our hearts and lift it up in, 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 in such an awesome uh, attitude of worship to the King of glory who deserves all worship and adoration. All praise, all worship, all adoration belongs to him and to him alone. 
And I pray that this will continue to just cause our hearts over the next few uh, days before we celebrate the very event of Christmas itself, that each day would be a day filled with the joy of Christmas. And may we exhibit this, this wonderful joy that you have placed in our hearts. We thank you that you bring us such joy. The very mention of your name brings such joy to our hearts. Bless your people, I pray, Father. Now I ask, Lord, that you would so bless them and keep them. You would cause your face to so shine upon them and be gracious unto them. Father, that you would lift up your countenance upon them and give them peace in all their homes. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the blessed communion, the fellowship, the intimacy that only the Holy Spirit can bring, be with each one of you. In Jesus' name, amen.